Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. At the Little Rock Touchdown Club again, thank you to Arkansas Urology. We appreciate them, and he is in there chit-chatting with David Basil right now. So what's that inside? It's hard for your brain to process that it's actually the – I grew up a Boston Red Sox fan because my first T-ball team when I was five years old with the Red Sox. The first time I went to Fenway Park, it was the same feeling. Like you, your whole life you've seen this in pictures and on TV and whatever else. And then when you see it in person, so, yeah, I stood in front of the Millennium Falcon and cried. I love it. I own that. Listen, so true, just full full disclosure, uh, I've, I've watched Infinity War, uh, Marvel Infinity War uh, movie, probably 100-plus oh, times. Oh, yeah, there's no yes. question. Well, my yeah. wife makes fun of me because she'll just keep, well, with Disney Plus, I'll just – my wife will come in and she'll go, are you really watching – Empire Strikes Back again. I mean, yeah. Don't you know all the words? I go, yeah, but yes. it's, it's like a blanket. Right? So, yeah, it's, like, it's like my comfort food. So let's dive in real quick. Let's talk about uh, the big news here. Obviously, Sam Pittman, what's happening. Matthew could. This was obviously from this weekend. Great picture, by the way. <laughs> uh, that's what he was doing a lot of yeah. Saturday. So I know that you're you're very close. You've had a chance to – well, not very close, but you've had a chance, you and Marty, to have Sam on quite a bit. Your thoughts about Sam and, and about what's happening with the program right now? Well, I mean, I think everyone knows where it's going, and I think that Sam knows where it's going. Um, my big thing is I want him to get the exit that he deserves. I understand this season has been a disappointment. There's no question about it. And years, this just happens. You know, years just they, they go awry. Again, I'm a Tennessee alum. We have 15 of them, right, until recently. So uh, I get it. But, but I think that everyone who supports, you know, Wupig needs to appreciate what he did. And this is coming, by the way, I'm infamous in certain areas of Arkansas because you're talking about movies. You see movie posters that had the big pop-out quotes from the critics, you know, a thrill ride or whatever else. My pop-out quote was, Chad Morris is the greatest off-season hire of the off-season. <laughs> that was me. Literally, it's like on a billboard somewhere. People send me pictures of it. Ryan McGee, ESPN. So, you know, we don't all, we don't all hit home runs, right? But, 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 but what Sam did to right that ship, and I'm not just talking about winning games. I'm talking about just changing the pride, right, restoring the pride to the program. And so however it ends, and I think we all agree it probably is going to, and that includes Sam, I want to make sure that Sam gets the right handshake that he deserves going out the door. Uh, it, 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 yeah. Whether it happens today or next week or next year, he, he deserves that. Yeah, so so the reality is, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion, you know, you know, some people thought maybe, they, you know, something would happen yesterday, something would happen today. I mean, there's a, there's a possibility. You saw the battle with Jimbo Fisher at 75. Maybe Hunter Yurchek has boosters saying we don't want to pay 16 million. And right. so, so you know, you know, A and M is different than Arkansas. We don't have the bank that the A and M has. So he may be on with another year and have another chance. Well, and and, and if he does, and I hope he does, I, I want to make sure I'm clear on that because I, 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 Marty and I have really been really fortunate to do this show for many years. But the last several years we've done uh, where I met you at SEC Media Days. And we do these talking season specials where we interview all 14, soon to be 16 head coaches in the conference. No one has been better than Sam. And, and he's just, he is who he is. All I want from a human being is just be who you are. Just, just be you. Don't be fake. Just be who you are. And all that, the, the turn up the jukebox and the drinking the beer, that's, that's who he is. That's who he's been since. That, that one of my favorite pictures of all time is him in some alumni game at Pittsburgh State, and he's literally sitting on the bench with a cooler, like knocking down like a Coors banquet, right? Because that's just who he is. And so, um, you know, and if he's given, if, if there is another year, no one's going to work harder than he is. And you can't question his intent. 
You can't question his work ethic. Um, you know, the result isn't what you want sometimes. But, 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 and honestly, I hope he sticks around just selfishly as a media member because he's just, he's just a good person. So if he's given the chance, um, I can't tell you what the win-loss record is going to be, but I can tell you nobody's going to outwork Sam Pittman. One of the reasons I reached out to Ryan about being a Brulesworth uh, voter is because of your relationship with Johnny Majors. So I was telling Ryan when I started the Brulesworth back 28 years ago, I told Coach Brules, we need to have really a salty, a really uh, exquisite top-of-the-line selection committee. So so I said, so I gave him the names, Johnny Majors, uh, uh, Vince Dooley, Bo Beckler, Daryl Royal, and, uh, and Coach Brules said yes. And so I didn't know the story with you and Coach Majors. And there, this is the, obviously, look at there, that's a great picture, yeah. obviously later, later stages in both of their lives. So for those who don't know about your relationship with Johnny Majors, share that if you could. So I, I went to Tennessee, uh, went there. By uh, my sophomore year, I landed a job on the film crew. So I'm, I'm shooting, I'm practicing every day. I worked on the Johnny Majors TV show, worked on a show called Big Orange Sunday in the spring that covered all the spring sports. But I got lucky just by luck of the draw. Um, you know, folks that don't know, when you go to the practice field, there's a couple of different fields, and typically defense is over here and special teams over here and offense over here. I was assigned to the offensive tower, the tower overlooking the offensive field. That's where Coach Majors hung out all the time. And so every day at practice for a couple of seasons, it was me and one of the equipment guys and Johnny Majors. And, every, and you got to understand now, I mean, I'm, this is in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, Tennessee's 11-1. and one. My, my first year was the great, I think one of the most underrated games of all time was the Cotton Bowl. Uh, with Coach Hatfield in, in Arkansas and Tennessee in that game, a cold day that day in Dallas. But you got to understand, so I, I had to get to work every day. I had to cross Johnny Majors Boulevard. I would walk into the lobby of the building, and there was Coach Majors' frame number 45 jersey. You get to the top of the stairs, and there's a portrait of Coach Majors. Coach Majors' office is down the hallway. And this is the guy that every single day at practice, no one's bigger than he is. And he's asking me, how would you do on your math tests? Are you still dating that girl from Gallatin? Uh, you know, what, what game is your dad refereeing this weekend? I mean, every day. And in, in the middle of all of that, he would also tell me stories about back in the day. And he could not go more than about 20 minutes without bringing up Frank Brawls and Kenny Hatfield. Kenny Hatfield was the greatest kick returner I ever had. Greatest kick returner I ever had. That's what he'd say. Maybe with a few more bad words sprinkled in. And he loved Coach Broyles so much. And so... After two and a half seasons of being on the tower with Coach, and he's telling stories about being on the staff, the, the 64, 65, 66, 67, I mean, legendary Arkansas teams, and him on the staff, and, you know, and Jimmy Johnson, who he, uh, he didn't think as highly of as a player <laughs> as he did Kenny Hatfield. Uh, but, but, but Coach Majors would tell me a lot of stories that I'm going to take to my grave, and he also told me a lot of stories that, I, that I've told over the years. But, but first and foremost, his love for Frank Broyles was so obvious. And then um, and it, well, what was unfortunately Coach Majors last year at Tennessee, Arkansas rolled into town, and that was the year that Danny Ford wasn't the head coach, but he actually kind of was the head coach. And my dad, and we'll get into this, was an ACC referee, and I'd known Danny Ford since I was a kid. And I'll never forget, I was on the video crew again. We're in the end zone, and Arkansas's lining up for like a 47-yard field goal, and it's a, it's a terrible day. And I remember the guy I was working with said, he can't make this field goal. And I look down there, and I see Danny Ford, and he is in his classic Clemson crouch on the sideline, and he's put in a red man plug, and he starts fiddling with the grass, and I go, we are going to lose this game. And, and, and sure enough, they made the field goal. But, but I met Frank Boyles that day. Uh, Coach Majors introduced me to Coach Broyles 
uh, on the sideline that day before the game, and uh, and it was a thrill. Because for me, I'm a kid of the 70s and 80s. Frank Brawls was the guy on TV, right? And, and so it was, um, it was, it was, a, it was a thrill to meet him, and, and knowing how much he meant to Coach Majors made him mean a lot to me. Yeah, Johnny Majors. For though, I so regret this. Where's Molly at? I so I told myself I was going to do this. I wanted to. I think I might even have told you. I, I, I wanted to get over to Knoxville and get a camera, yeah. and say, st- start filming, yeah. and just let him talk because he was such a historian, historian all the way back to General Neyland. Yep. He he could tell stories and. You know, I, I, I was obviously in charge of running the funeral that, that day for Coach Brules, and, and so I spent about an hour with him, and he was telling stories about uh, the guy on the on the statue here, uh, Wilson Matthews, with all the language. He was like, Coach, Coach Brules didn't cuss, but no. Wilson Matthews sure did. Yeah. You know? So did Johnny Majors. <laughs> so so, uh, so Co- Coach Majors, you, you, you're talking about telling the story. So for all of the um, – the, the venom that you hear when people talk about Lane Kiffin's one year at Tennessee. Let me tell you what Lane Kiffin did. And this goes back to his father, Monty, uh, who yeah. was a coach at NC State. When I, my, so I, Lane Kiffin and I used to play Nerf football together at NC State practices because my dad was an ACC ref and worked state scrimmages, and I grew up in Raleigh. Anyway, um, but let me tell you what Lane Kiffin did. Lane Kiffin and Monty Kiffin called Johnny Majors, who still was very bitter, and rightfully so, and was still angry at his alma mater. And they said, Coach Majors, you have a key to this building. You have a desk. You come and go as much as you want. And so for the first time since he was pushed out, you know, I mean, 15 years earlier, Coach Majors felt like he was welcome back on his own campus and on the, the, the street, you know, with his name on it. And so you, so Coach Majors would come into the film office, and the guys I worked with as a student all still worked in the film office. And you go see Coach Majors, and he's in there watching film. And you think – He's watching film of Tennessee's latest game. Well, no, no, he's watching himself play <laughs> back in 1956. Damn it, McGee. I should have won the Heisman. I'm like, I know, Coach. But he was Heisman runner-up. He was. He was. And, and I'll tell you a story about that. So Paul Horning won the Heisman that year playing for Notre Dame. I think won one or two games. And, uh, and, and, and Paul Horning used to – some of y'all remember this. He used to host a syndicated – like preseason college football special. And on, as members of the video crew, Paul Horning comes in, and we're going to help him, you know, do this interview with Coach Majors because Tennessee was his preseason number one that year. So we go in Coach Majors' office, we set up the cameras and the lights and stuff, and you could tell Horning's, like, ready. And Paul Horning sat down, and he goes, all right, Johnny Majors, first and foremost, who should have won the Heisman in 1956? And Johnny Majors goes, Jimmy Brown, next question. <laughs> It was a perfect response because they probably should have. But 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 it was. But I, let me tell you about Johnny Mayer. Here's all you knew about Coach. He loved Arkansas so much. Loved Kenny Hatfield so much. He loved his time here so much. But when Coach Majors passed away, which was just a few years ago, this is how we should all go. Uh, he had moved back to Knoxville. And for those who don't know, the Tennessee River runs along there with the Vol Navy and all that. But it, it also runs along through town. There's a lot of beautiful homes that look over the river. When Coach Majors passed, he was sitting on the back deck, watching the sunset having a bourbon, and just went, man, we should all get to go like that, right? And, and he deserved that. Yeah, what a uh, what a legendary coach. And one of the reasons we had the Brules Award, Johnny Major, Barry Switzer, uh, Joe Gibbs, and, and so forth. So, again, thank you for being a voter, a future voter. Well, and voter. Joe Gibbs, too, again, covered NASCAR. Yeah, all that's years. right, I, another connection. I, I know Coach Gibbs. I was, a, I was a Washington fan growing up. 
And, and Coach Gibbs is no one. He, he can't go more than about 20 minutes without bringing up Frank Royals. Like, he'd tell a Frank Royals story and start to walk away and then turn back around to tell you another Frank Royals story. Yeah, I think we need to get – would you like to have Joe Gibbs as a speaker of the Sesquatch Oh, Sesquatch man, Club? he would do it in a heartbeat. All right, Ron, let's make it happen. You're yeah. the NASCAR guy. Uh, so let's talk about your show. Uh, last year we had Marty Smith. I'm so last sorry. <laughs> so I love this picture Look at that here. hair. Isn't that I amazing? Lo- I love this picture. So – What's it like working with Marty and uh, and his energy that maybe nobody in a, on the planet has the level of energy he has? I'll go back to something I said a minute ago. All I will require from another human being is to be yourself and be genuine. And, you know, I, when I started in the business, I was a producer, a television producer. And I work with a lot of on-air talent, and we see this with a lot of athletes, too, where – you know, the person they are up on stage or on camera is not the person that they are. You know, not, not saying it's a bad thing, but it just there's an energy level. Marty is like that from the time he wakes up until he goes to bed. I swear, I think he when he goes to sleep, he just freezes and falls into the bed and goes to sleep. And then the next morning he pops up and he goes, right? And, and so he, but he, is, he is the genuine article. And, again, that's all I can ask for. And, and again, as a television producer, um, the most difficult part of the job is – you take really, really talented people and you put them all on a set together, on a desk together, and a lot of times it doesn't work. Most of the time it doesn't work. We're friends. You know, we've been friends for 20 years. We don't remember the first time we met. We know it was at a racetrack when we both covered NASCAR full-time, probably South Boston or Martinsville back in the late 90s, early 2000s, and he was just out of Radford and I was just out of Tennessee, and he had frosted tips, right? <laughs> and there's a great – Google Marty Smith and Dale Earnhardt Jr. You'll get two things. Number one would be Dale Jr. and Marty pounding beers uh, on the front stretch after, Marty, after Dale Jr.'s last race at, at the end of the season at Homestead, and the other picture is a picture from the early 2000s of both of them with their M&M frosted tips. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to say there's no pictures of me like that. Thank God. But 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 he's he's just a genuine article, and we're just friends. I mean, you know, because you, you know, I hear you on the air with the like Justin, you know, Justin Moore. You guys are friends, and I can tell that when I listen to you. And with Marty and, and myself, we're just friends. We just can't believe they pay us to do it. We legit when we're done with the show on a Saturday morning, particularly you know when we're in the fall, we do the show for an hour and they do SEC Nation on the road. The other, you know, eight months out of the year, we're in the studio in Charlotte, the Wilderness Lodge Studios, and it's three hours. And we genuinely, when the show is over, if we will walk out in the parking lot, he'll look at me and I'll look at him we'll say the same thing. He'll say, you think we're going to get to do it again next week? I go, we'll see. <laughs> so it's just, it's just imagine getting to just talk with your buddies about whatever, sports and, and everything else. And, uh, and that's what we get to do every it, week. It's the closest thing to what we do on Morning Mayhem, I, yeah. I think, yeah. where we just talk about it's barbershop radio. Yeah. You guys cover so many topics. So this is one of my favorite uh, promos you did. Uh, one, one summer you guys put together for every school, maybe whatever would work to uh, promo that particular school. This, this is the Razorbacks with you and Marty here. Let's watch this. All right, so I'll tell you a story about that. I'll tell you a story about that. So so we're in this truck, right? And you, you probably saw the lawyers had a little thing at the bottom. No calling the hogs while you're driving, obviously, because we're not. So, so this is like a real movie truck. That truck was on a flatbed, and there's cameras bolts all over the truck. We're on Jimbo Fisher's property, which I don't know if it's his property anymore or not, but we're on his property because we, we shot this. We needed land. We shot on his property outside of college. This was in the middle of June in College Station. There's no air conditioning in that truck. It was a million degrees. 
But we got really nervous because, as you all know, you better get the woo pig right. And so Marty and I are in this truck, and the direct, we got a little ear thing, and the director's in another truck, and he's watching us. He goes, all right, we're going to do the Arkansas thing. Okay, great. This is the idea. Fantastic. And I looked at Marty, and I go, we got to get this thing right, dude. We, can't, we, can, we cannot mess this up. He's like, you're right. So Marty goes, I got a guy. And he called Justin Moore. And so there is video somewhere, Marty still has it, of us in the truck, and you can hear Justin on the speakerphone walking us through to make sure we got it right. Because I, I knew how it went, but you know how it is. You don't want to mess it up. So literally, Justin, we'll have to find it. There's video of Justin. All right, now you might do this, and you do your hands. and So we do it, and he's like, no, McGee, that's too soon. You know, your woo is pitched too high. You don't go, woo, you go, woo. So it, it was, uh, so Justin, Justin got the assist on that dude. <laughs> so uh, you, cut, you, you grew up in uh, Rockingham, yep. North Carolina. Yep. You grew up a, a NASCAR fan. Yep. Uh, you've written multiple books. Matt, if you could, just, just a couple of them here, uh, if you could. Uh, that, that was one book. Back uh, in the a, day right there, yeah. a, Another one is, uh, I love what you said. Uh, you said you're the, you're the champion at doing with. I'm the with guy. He's yeah, the with guy. Dale Hart Jr. With Ryan McGee. That's <laughs> a lot. But, so, I'm, uh, but you know what? Damn New York Times bestseller. That's <laughs> so talk about, before we get to that, talk about uh, uh, NASCAR and what it means to you. Well, and, and we'll talk about my dad coming up. That, that last book you saw there was Sidelines and Bloodlines, a book I wrote, my, my brother and I wrote, which, by the way, my brother texted me and reminded me. He was a, a law, he was a clerk here in Little Rock. Is that right? Yeah, he sent me Buzz Arnold. Oh, he just, he's deceased now, right? That's what my brother. My yes. brother, my brother he's said, not deceased. My brother said, but, okay. but, but my brother was a, was a clerk for uh, for Buzz Arnold here uh, when he was right out of Yale Law School. My brother's a lot smarter than I am. I always tell him, the cover of that book, there's three McGees, and between the three of us, we have like eight college degrees, and I barely have one of them. <laughs> but but I became a NASCAR fan. I was born in Rockingham, North Carolina, uh, which was a racetrack there. Unfortunately, it's just sitting empty right now. Mark Martin loved that place. Uh, for I, I saw Mark Martin win a handful of Bush Series races there. Uh, but growing up in the Carolinas, you couldn't – there's no way you couldn't be a NASCAR fan. And my dad, who's my hero, uh, he's, he's doing great, just turned 81 last week, um, and, and we'll talk about him coming up. I was texting with dad, and, but my dad uh, was in the Army um, in the 60s uh, during the Vietnam War, did not go overseas, but was stateside. But one day he's scrubbing toilets at basic training with this guy from Wisconsin. And he's like, hey, I'm a race car driver. And dad's like, yeah, okay. And he, you're scrubbing toilets with me, you know, at, at Fort Benning. And, and he said, no, no, my name is Dave Marcus. I'm from Wisconsin. And, you know, when I come to the Carolinas to race, I'm going to need pit crew guys. So my dad um, was the gas can man for Dave Marcus for, for at Darlington and Charlotte and uh, Raleigh and, and Rockingham and all these places when Dave would come south. And Dave raced in NASCAR forever. Um, it, won't, it, it, it was a great guy. But, but anyway, that's how I became a NASCAR fan. I was a Richard Petty guy. I was from North Carolina. But I'll give you all a little secret. It's not really a secret anymore, but when I went to ESPN right out of college, I started as a production assistant, which is an entry-level job. You answer the phones. You cut highlights for SportsCenter, uh, you know, run a teleprompter, all that stuff. Um, when I went to ESPN in the mid-'90s, the number of people at the Worldwide Leader in Sports who sounded like me was one. <laughs> No one else had a southern accent. I, I, Reese Davis and I started right at the same time, but Reese, you know, Reese is from Muscle Shoals, Alabama, doesn't sound like it. Uh, Stu Scott, who's from Greensboro, North Carolina, at the time was claiming to be from Brooklyn, uh, and, and we, but we had one, we had one other woman uh, worked in engineering who was from Greenville, South Carolina. But I'm the only one to sound like this. 
So Jeff Gordon, and I have told Jeff this, I owe my entire career to him because right when I started is when Jeff Gordon just started destroying everyone, and NASCAR became cool to an entirely different audience. And so with this accent, and I'm from Rockingham, uh, all of a sudden, you know, Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann, these guys, they start coming to me. And they're like, well, you're a NASCAR expert. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And the reality is I knew more than they did, but I didn't know as much as they thought I did. So I called all my buddies and said, send me everything you got. And so I would cram like I was getting ready for finals every Saturday night and go in and cut the highlights for for SportsCenter, all all the NASCAR races, IndyCar, all of it. And it got me moved back to North Carolina after a couple of really cold winters in Connecticut. And, uh, and, and Martin, I said all the time, we owe everything. It's what, you know, we had Ryan Blaney, the new NASCAR champion, uh, on our show on Saturday. And we always do everything we can to do make crossover moves like that because we still love it so much. I still go to Daytona. I think this year will be my 30th straight Daytona 500. I still go to Indianapolis for the Indy 500. Um, and so I still get to the track when I can. Um, but I don't really get a lot of calls, will you cover NASCAR? I call and say, I want to cover this because I still love it so much. And, and Mark Martin, uh, I mean, uh, son of this great state. And, man, Mark was tough back in the day, man. Mark dressed me down. He knows the story. He dressed me down one time because he thought I asked a stupid question. And it was a stupid question. Uh, but y'all know Mark. Mark looks like he's made out of iron. And I'm like, he is going to kill me. And I've only been doing this job for about three weeks. But, uh, but man, I love Mark. I, I cover so many of his wins. And and uh, after this is over, you've got a flight to catch this afternoon, but you're going to go over to the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame because yeah. his car is over there. You yep. just want to take a look at that, Absolutely. which I think is, yep. is really I, cool. I, I went to the – every year he'd do an open house at his car dealership and have fan day, and I came to that a couple times over in baseball. So you've written a lot of books, but I, I have to think this book right here is probably one of the most meaningful to you. Uh, sidelines and bloodlines of father, his sons, and our life in college football. That's your dad there in the middle. Yep. That's your brother there. So just just talk, tell everybody about what it was like to, to grow up with a father who, um, just an amazing guy. Well, you learn how to cuss when your dad's a referee because when you're sitting in the stands, that's what everybody's doing the whole game. You're yelling at your dad. So my brother and I would have a thing. So my dad, when I, when I was a little guy, he was still officiating high school football in North Carolina. He started doing small college games, and small college football, by the way, the Harlan Hill Award, uh, the Cliff Harris Award. My dad dad was the president of Wingate University, and Wingate's had a lot of finalists for the Harlan Hill over the years. Um, so, so, you know, FCS, Division II football is always, well, Division III always have a special place in my heart. But dad started off in small college football when I was a kid and then eventually got the call from the Atlantic Coast Conference from the ACC in the early 80s. And, um, and eventually moved to the Big East when the Big East started playing football in 91, 92. In fact, the one, he worked two Arkansas games. I want to qualify this by apologizing. Arkansas was 0 and 2 in those games, but he had the Missouri Cotton Bowl, which was like 2008. It was like his next to last. Uh, that was bad. By the way, I went back and looked. He had no flags in that game. So y'all just <laughs> check that. And then he was here at Memorial Stadium once, uh, when the Big East first started, Miami came here. It was, not uh, the, it was not the one we talked about in 87. This was like 91, 92. Still probably was not good. This was, yeah, this was, this was bad. But, but Dad still talks about the uh, the officials' locker room at Memorial Stadium. Small? Uh, yeah, he, what he said was is that you didn't walk into the room. You put the room on. <laughs> but, but, but growing up with a, with a father, and this is what we wrote in the book, growing up with a father as, a, as an official is what you learn is, and this is how we start the book, you learn there's three teams on the field. You know, you've got the two teams that are playing, and then that team of officials, you know, now it's eight. When Dad first started, it was five, then it became six, then it became seven. Um, 
they prepare so hard, and they have day jobs. My dad was a college administrator. My dad worked at Furman University and Wingate University as a VP and then a president. Um, and so he would work all week, and then he'd get on a plane on Friday afternoon to go work a game. But what it gave me was a window into the world that I love so much because I love college football so much. And uh, my first sideline credentials, I was 12 years old. We write it in the book. Um, Dad had a game, it was a huge game. It was North Carolina at Virginia. Uh, this is in the, the, the 80s. I had just turned 13. I had a camera that Santa Claus had brought me the year before, and I was taking pictures on the sideline, and I got blown up. I mean, I got blown Barry Word was a running back. He scored a touchdown and won the game. And then the, the linebacker, Micah Moon, who missed on the tackle, hit me. And I might have weighed 80 pounds. And, I mean, it was a yard sale, stuff flying everywhere. My clothes are ripped, and I hit that artificial turf, and they all ran over there, and I popped. You know, it was good to be young, right? I popped straight up. I was like, this is the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> but I remember, I remember and then half time to take us up and give us a barbecue sandwich and a Pepsi and, and, and like, a, a candy bar, and, all right, go watch the game. I'm like, are we get? And I realized everyone here is getting paid to do this. And so between the, the, the staffers and, you know, and the coaches and – you know, I was really drawn to the media members. I saw the cameras right next to me, the TV cameras and the photographers and the newspaper, the writers. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And so that really was the window into the world. Um, you know, I, my, my goal, I was very fortunate. My goal when I was 12 years old was I want to figure out how to get paid to go to f- football games. And don't tell anyone. <laughs> but, uh, but they send checks to the house, and I get to go to football games. But your dad, one of the great things you talked about your dad uh, which I think is really fascinating. You watch your dad. He's 81 now. Yeah. But uh, I, I remember I read an article that you wrote back about 15 years ago. You watch your dad work out every day yep. doing backward sprints. Yep. All his neighbors thought he was crazy. Yeah. What was that guy doing? So my dad was a downfield official. So he was a field judge, back judge, side judge. And so he's, he's the one calling pass interference. He's downfield. And so you spend the whole game running backwards. And so my dad would be in the backyard doing wind sprints backwards. And all the neighbors are like, poor Jerry. <laughs> poor Jerry. The, the pressure got to him. You know, but, but that's that. But, I, but again, I watched him study. We would go to the swimming pool in the summertime, and he's studying the rule book. You know, uh, you know er, during the weeknight, all the officials that lived in certain areas would get together and have really, you know, you had to hit a run a, meter, a, a measure mile every year. I mean, just it was, and they did it because they love it, because you don't get rich. At, at best, you become infamous because yes. you have a call that makes right. people angry. Um, you know, and, and it's become so difficult now because the anonymity is gone. Yeah, yeah, my right. dad's last game was the 09 BCS championship. It was Tim Tebow and Sam Bradford. I tell Tebow every Saturday, thank my dad because he had those two passing friends. <laughs> but, but, um, but, but, but what's changed since then, and it's really a problem, is the fact that, you know, where did dad start? He started doing JV. He started doing, uh, you know, uh, when he was at, at East Carolina as a student, he started doing intramural games. Then he started doing JV football, you know, uh, middle school, high, uh, junior high football, and worked his way up. It took him 20 years to get to Division One, And now people were throwing stuff at officials and trying to shoot them and, you know, physically assault them in the parking lot. Wonder why you have guys working NFL games that the biggest game they ever worked was – you know, they worked a couple of seasons in, in a non-Power 5 league, and now they're working, you know, Rams-Jets. And the reason is because the pipeline is drying up. And so you have to love it. You really have to love it. Otherwise, um, you know, he wouldn't have done it because he, he, didn't, he didn't get rich on it. All right, that is Ryan McGee, and we are ready for our final break. It's 1249. We're going to take a timeout. Uh, appreciate Ryan. Appreciate Arkansas Urology having us over here today. Always a good time. And uh, – Enjoyed him. We got one more week left before the banquet. 